You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to a super powerful edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. We have some very special guests that Steve Gurner has brought with us, and we're super excited about that. Steve, I'm going to take a seat back and let you run this show. We are thrilled, Eugene. Great to be here. Great to have our special guests with us. We have with us 2020 Neubauer Prize winners for Urban Teaching. These are teachers that are the best of the best. These are teachers who, in this virtual landscape, are building student relationships and are engaging students at a high level. And they were chosen from, this was a, a, really an award that was out to the, all Wisconsin urban schools. And we have with us the winners of this special prize. So this is exciting because we'll learn from them today. We'll learn about what they're doing with students to build relationships and how they're really impacting students. So I think it's a great opportunity that teachers out there can learn from them and others can appreciate what they're doing, how special teachers are at this time. And so let's, uh, let's get right to it. Let's talk about, let's really pose, unless you have something else, Eugene, we can get right into the discussion. Well, maybe if everyone could just, like just quickly, and I, I know Steve knows, but our listeners won't know where you're coming from. So if you could just, just briefly chime in and say your name, what you teach, and what school you work at, and then Steve, we'll, t- we'll toss it back to you. That's great. I started off. Um, hello, listeners. My name is uh, George Passaway. I am from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I am a uh, full-time I'm a, a uh, social studies teacher at Hope Christian School Fortis. And part-time, I teach uh, sociology at a community college in Milwaukee, um, Brian and Stratton College. Hi, everybody. My name is Kwanisha Medina. I'm also from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am also a first grade teacher at Hope Christian School. Um, my name is Nadia Lopez. I teach middle school ELA at Pilgrim Lutheran School, part of the Lumen Network. All right. My name is Oluyemisi Ogunbowale. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I teach in Brown Deer, um, Wisconsin, and this is my first year teaching, and I'm a proud student of Concordia University, a product of, and a student of Dr. Garner. Nice to meet you all. My name is Amanda Stewart. I have been blessed to serve as a third and fourth grade reading and writing teacher at St. Martini, also in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am Liz Warzewski. Um, I am also a teacher at St. Martini Lutheran, um, part of the Lumen Network in Milwaukee, and I teach fifth grade. I've been teaching there for the past six years. My name is Abby Heckman. I am a second grade ELA teacher at Milwaukee College Prep. North Campus. I am Trila Pitchford. Um, this year I taught fourth grade math at Milwaukee College Prep, the Lola Road North Campus. 
And these are special teachers. These are very special teachers. They won the 2020 Neubauer Prize for Urban Teaching because they're making an impact on students and the community. And I think that's where I'd like to start with is you won a special award. Let's talk about yourself and then we'll talk later about some of the things you're doing, but let's try to get inside yourself, your, your drive. What motivates you? What drives you to keep going? We, I know some of you personally and, and what you're doing with your students. What, what drives you personally to keep going and, and make this impact where we see others maybe aren't getting the results or having a connection with parents and students? What drives you personally? Well, for me, I can go, this is George. Um, for me, um, student success is the driving force behind the work that I do. Um, I grew up in Milwaukee and from K to 12th grade, I received urban education. So I know the challenges and I know, um, you know, the, the, you know, the adversities that are faced and also know the, the successes and how to navigate um, you know, urban education. Um, so just using that, um, as my forefront on how I engage students um, is amazing. Um, so taking that that knowledge um, coming from urban background and being an urban teacher, um, I just know best how to address the, the needs and the challenges of students. Um, I know how to um, you know support students in the need and make the instruction that I'm instructing rigorous and also um, you know giving that support. Um, Knowing, um, you know, urban settings, how they're um, limited in resources, um, knowing that I take upon myself to uh, do what I have to do personally, rather is coming out of my own pocket to pro uh, provide supplies or food for the students. Um, just doing everything I can personally to make their experience um, in urban education the best and just providing them that high quality instruction um, is something I'm very passionate about doing. And, Excited. For me, what really drives and pushes me, uh, my name is Kwanisha again from Hope. Um, it's really my faith and then seeing results as well. Um, so just as you were saying, just being African-American myself and just being able to be blessed to teach African-American scholars and for them to see someone who's successful and then for me to just impart my faith into them because we're at a Christian school. So we're allowed to really teach them um, faith and then just seeing results amongst our scholars and just making sure that they get to see the plans that God has already set before them. And so faith and results is really what pushes me um, each and every day as I enter my classroom. Let's go one more, one more thought on there and what drives you. Hi everyone, this is Amanda Stewart again from St. Martini. Uh, I think something that is a big driver for me is building the relationships with students. So like Juanisha said, through my faith, my brothers and my sisters in Christ um, in my students, but also thinking of my students as my kids. I don't have any children of my own yet. Um, that's a plan in the future um, that God I'm sure has for um, me and my husband. But knowing my kids are like my core group, my team and family for that year. Earlier um, during quarantine, my dad texted me about my group of students First of all, I couldn't imagine not teaching. So knowing that that's my calling, I, I don't know what else I would do with my life. Um, but also my dad talking about how each year you get your core group of kids. Like those are your babies for the year. And you're not necessarily saying goodbye, but then you pass them along to the next teacher. So 
he said, I don't know how you do it every single year. You get a group of kids and it's not like they're like ripped away, but you have to kind of say, see you later and pass them on. Um, so just letting the students know, like our relationships aren't ending. Our connections aren't ending. I'm still here for you. Learning looks different, um, but we're going to keep going and stay together. That's, a, that's an outstanding response. We wanted to ask for some, some of the individuals that we haven't heard from yet. And this is like a fun question so that you can be like super creative, but you also get to brag on yourself a little bit too. Like, what is your superhero teacher strength? Like, what is something like, what is your thing? Like, just you just nail it. You might be better than everybody else. Not that we keep in track on, on this show right here, but it's just, if I go, like, if I, if I'm done teaching today, I was good at blank. What is the blank, your superhero strength? Um, for me, this is Nadia Lopez is I've gotten the nickname from my kiddos, even even teachers that I train um, during summer school call me Mama Lopez um, because I'm real with them. I show them tough love, but I don't sugarcoat anything. And so kids learn to appreciate that because they know that it's coming from a loving place. And I know as teachers, we don't often get to see the fruits of our labor um, until later, later in life when you realize, oh, you remember that or, um, you know, you remember something that I told you once. Um, and this morning, um, our kiddos in middle school had a project where they had to write an essay to a college of their choice um, for admissions. And I was literally crying at six o'clock in the morning. Um, as I was reading this essay that one of my eighth graders wrote, and I've, I can share a little bit of it. I'd like to share it with you. Um, she wrote, I have a wonderful teacher who once told me, you don't need anyone to believe in you to encourage you. Only you can encourage yourself, but always remember, I believe in you. I love that teacher for telling me that because if she was, wouldn't have come into my life, I don't know where I would be. She's one of the best teachers I've ever even thought um, I could have. I used to get mad at her in school when she said something that I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear it. I'm grateful for that teacher, and her name is Miss Nadia Lopez. She is my eighth grade homeroom teacher, and she was there for me no matter what. So she is one part of my inspiration, and I'm happy I get her as my teacher. And I know that her happiness will be fulfilled when I get the diploma from middle school in high school because then I can tell her, I did it, Ms. Lopez. I made my dream come true. Yay. And so those are the things that, that you know you're on the right track and you're doing the right thing and you're changing lives. Mm -hmm. And so this morning, again, like I said, I wasn't expecting anyone to write about me, um, but it just makes you aware of you're doing the right thing and you're doing God's will. Before we ask someone else the same thing, I don't think nobody's going to talk about this after you. I wrote down that task. I'm still in that and taking all the credit for that one. When I'm working with younger kids, right in the uh, college admission. And just to hear the fruits of your labor, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I got goosebumps hearing you read that. Those are my babies. I love my babies. Does anybody want to try after this? That might be an unfair thing to do. You know what? Well, I'll, I'll go. Go ahead. Okay, so 
Um, I'm here, Mr. Ogunbowale, again. Uh, and um, fortunately, I came in from Nigeria about um, eight years ago, and I didn't start my teaching career until last year. So which means I'm a first-year teacher and from a, a country where nobody else already have been in my school, and we don't have any teacher from that school. So it's a, I came in with a strong vibe of my diversity and my value, and most importantly, my faith. My kids, when I started, I didn't start as a teacher in Brown Gear Elementary. I started as um, a volunteer in the lunchroom as a supervisor. And I went into um, a paraprofessional before I got, in, got into the classroom. And I've had, I've, my the first set of kids I had in Brown Gear already are seniors right now. So it means I have already grown with some, most of them. And one thing they hold with me is that I nurture them in the way that is realistic and acceptable across the world. One thing I noticed about them when I came was nobody knows anything aside from the United States. Hence, their values were fixated on what they think they know. So I brought in to let them know that education is not limited only to your area, but diversity helps you to appreciate what you have and how you can grow. So most of the kids I've heard would come back and say, Mrs. O, we didn't realize, because they call me Mrs. O. They realized everything I've said to them was true because I was I really honed up into the fact that aside from education, your values matters. And when you live wherever you live, you're leaving an impression and you want everybody to accept you. So in my classroom, one thing I know they, they want me to always tell them is to sit down and tell them the truth. Aside from education and the academics, we have a relationship that wants to sit down and listen to Mrs. So tell them stories, stories of the fact of life, the truth that they know whenever they go into the real world can never be learned anywhere. So in my opinion and in my own view, everything I've experienced and I think is going for me is the fact that one, there's a place for learning and there's a place for reality. And I think I, I can't help that because I think it's innate in me and that's what is keeping me going. Thank oh, you for sharing that. And Trila, you want to add to that? Sure. Um, so I think for me, I think the question Eugene had asked, um, fun superpower. Um, earlier this school year, when I was filling in as a dean, someone called me, a staff member called me the scholar whisperer. I thought it was funny. Um, but I feel like my ability to be able to um, gain the trust of just about any scholar and make them feel like they are important, they matter, and that their voice will be heard. Um, I think that's something that just over the years of working in education, I have found that I feel that is probably one of the most um, important skills that I'm sure all of us have because we're all here right now. Um, scholars deserve to be heard and they deserve to have a voice and I think um, being able to do that has allowed me into so many scholars lives and it has um, given them the opportunity to see someone that looks like them um, and it allows it allows them the chance to see that wow there are people out there that genuinely care about me as a person Yes, we are about the academics, but we're about developing the whole child. And you will never 
be able to move a scholar academically if you don't get to their heart first. And, um, and so I think we've been able to do that a lot of the times. And uh, so I think that would be my superpower. Thank you for sharing that. All of you received a special honor. So you received an honor for working hard in your efforts in this virtual landscape. Let's talk about what works in this time because we may be going back to fall, seems unknown in many districts around our country. So what, what really works in this virtual space? Where have you seen success? Let's have uh, Abby, Liz, and Quinesha talk about that. Sure, I yeah. can uh, jump in. Oh, go, you want to go ahead? Nope, you start. That's <laughs> all right. Um, I, I'll be honest, it has, I mean, the first couple of weeks and honestly, the whole entire time during quarantine has been really tough just because I'm someone who um, does really well with a pretty rigid schedule and having things organized and, you know, knowing what's coming next. And during this time, I've just really been I've had to just adapt and we've all had to adapt and be flexible. Um, but I know that what my students needed the most was as much consistency as possible. Um, so I really tried to kind of mirror our virtual days as much as I could to um, our in-person school days and kind of what those looked like. Um, and so kind of going through my day to day, um, I usually start the day off in the morning right when I wake up with calling or texting each one of my students, um, either their parents or if I got permission, I just, I, I teach fifth grade, so a lot of them have cell phones already. So I'll just call or text them um, in the morning just to check in and say good morning, let them know that I'm here, let them know that I'm thinking of them and hope that they're, you know, having a good day so far um, and really just getting their, their mindset ready for learning and, and uh, getting the day started off on the right foot. Um, and then we at Lumen Schools, I think Amanda and um, Nadia would agree that we have a lot of really great online learning programs that we've been able to continue using throughout this time. Um, and so that's been a pretty seamless transition into being able to just have students use those programs at home. Um, of course, we've had to cross the barriers of access to technology and internet. Um, but once we kind of got a hold of that um, over the past, the first couple of weeks, um, it was pretty seamless. So really just trying to make it um, as consistent as possible, but then also adding in a little extra kind of fun pizzazz here and there. So um, I'll do a community whole class Zoom every day um, and we'll end, I'll do a read aloud and we'll end with like a, a fun game. So either like a, a big um, tournament of rock, paper, scissors or a scavenger hunt where they have to go and find, you know, something green around their room or something spiky or something sharp. And we've had some interesting uh, <laughs> items being brought to the screen. <laughs> um, but no, it's been really fun. And, and I think, um, like I said, keeping it as consistent as possible for them. So they just have that stability and know that, you know, this looks different, but I'm still here. I'm still your teacher. Um, and I'm still gonna, I still want to keep doing the same things we've been doing, but it just, it just looks a little bit different and, and we're still all in this together. So um, that's kind of what my my day to day has been like and it's been really fun. Um, before I share about what's worked, um, I just want to say that Trila is for real the scholar whisperer, like toughest kids. Just she was able to get to them. She would just walk in and there's this peace. You can tell by her voice, just this peaceful presence overflowing so she has taught me so much about how to 
just bring it down. Just listen, listen first. Um, but I think just first admitting that this virtual environment is not always ideal and this isn't what we signed up for as educators and that's okay. Um, but not using that as an excuse not to do just as much, if not more than we would in the classroom. Um, so I think the reality is that most of our students face access issues. And so, you know, posting on Google Classroom will work for 20% of my scholars, but then I have to be very creative and figure out what's going to work for the, for the rest of them. Um, and I think, you know, our school did a really great job of pushing us at first, just connect personally with the scholars first. And especially thinking about going into a beginning of the year environment virtually, um, starting off with, all right, here's the website to go to, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes here, I'll grade your assignment, won't work because there won't be that trust. Um, so starting off always with relationships first, you know, especially with what's been happening the last few weeks, you know, giving yourself permission to pause and say, I care about this issue right now more than whether or not you complete your Google Classroom assignment. So pausing and just being very vulnerable and transparent with, um, with parents and students, which I think for a lot of teachers has allowed us to bridge barriers that we may honestly not have been able to bridge in the classroom. You know, like I'm in your home now and you're in mine. Um, so that's been a really added blessing through this whole time. But I think relationships, vulnerability, and transparency are huge during this time. And I agree with Abby. Um, relationships are really huge. And I think that's what made the transition um, even more smooth than it could have been because um, we had that relationship with our scholars. And so during um, the regular school year, we, um, in our classroom, we already had a virtual platform through um, Class Dojo. And it's like our classroom Facebook page where we could just post pictures of ourselves, videos. Um, so my kids were kind of used to seeing videos of me, even though we were still visiting each other in the classroom. But when we switched to the virtual um, platform, we were still using um, Class Dojo, but then we switched over to using um, Google Classrooms. But that relationship piece came really in hand because I was able to still connect with the families and just reach out to them constantly and make sure that the families were okay and just to hold our scholars accountable um, to making sure that they were doing their work every single day, that they were checking in, um, just having those welcome videos, um, sending encouraging messages before they would start their day off with doing reading and math. I'm just making sure that they were up to part in a lot of prayer, <laughs> a lot of prayer and just reaching out to our families and challenging and adding games, like you guys said, making it fun because it is, it is hard for kids to switch from being in a classroom to just doing everything completely online and scholars being seven years old, six years old and having multiple brothers and sisters and using one um, computer, just like Abby was saying, like challenges with just having access to um, equipment. Um, I know me and my husband right away when this um, thing happened, we just made ourselves available as teachers and we asked our leaders like what can we do to help and one of the things was um, just getting equipment to our children, getting Chromebooks and we volunteered to take those Chromebooks to the families and just deliver um, laptops to the families that really needed um, to have access and 
just so the relationship piece, it comes in hand. Like if you have really good relationships with your scholars, they will do their work. They will, whatever you ask them to do, you ask them to do 50 push-ups, they will <laughs> do those 50 push-ups because they love you and they know that you want the best um, for them and also the family members as well. I think, it, I, I, I mean, you guys have said it mostly and relationship being the top of um, our primary assignment. I ha happen to get an email regularly from parents, of course, keeping in touch with them. And one of them had to really own up to me telling me her son is really having a meltdown because of this situation. His emotions are broken and she confided in me that she doesn't know what to do. And of course, I was scared at first to give a first um, opinion. And I said, do you pray? And the reason I said this was because um, this little boy, I said something about Christ in church once. I mean, in the classroom, I teach in a public school. So you really have to be careful when this comes up. But I was, um, I, I spoke to mom and mom said she never saw it that way. And I said, that's the first person you speak to because she was actually advocating for a counselor. And I said, yes, I will. I'll, you know, I will document this officially, but I'm, I'm saying this because the relationship piece made her call out to me and say something that was really personal. So um, I think during this period, getting in touch and communication has been the best, the best um, tool to, you know, keep the kids going on and letting them know what's going on and what we don't know. I tell them, I have no idea, but I will keep you posted. So they were really on top of things as far whatever is going on, and that kept them going. I have a question. Oh, go, okay. go ahead. Go ahead, George. Go ahead. Okay, I was gonna say, uh, if I could quickly, for me, um, in this virtual teaching landscape, for me, I've been forging a relationship with parents. Um, firstly, um, I know that you know parents is like the the middleman to the students. Uh, most times, it's hard to reach. Students um, for Hope uh, Fortis, we've been using Google Hangout for video um, communication um, way. Uh, so for me, I've been forging partnership with parents um, weekly. We have check-ins, um, see how things are going on their end. Um, if there's any uh, technical issues that I can help them with or resolve. Um, and for the students, I've been doing individual weekly check-ins with them uh, virtually um, with Google. Uh, Hangout, just seeing how things going um, at home in a personal life, or some things they're looking forward to, just to you know debrief from uh, from school and COVID nineteen, and just to have that relationship. And also, um, every week I have all my homeroom scholars. Uh, we all uh, log into Google Hangouts um, once a week um, on Friday, so I have all my homeroom practically whoever can join, and it's like sometimes fifteen or twenty kids. Um, you know, give them that that feeling like they're back in school and they're face to face with other scholars and literally we just have like 30 minutes and they can just just talk about anything, crack jokes. Um, so I've been using that just to, you know, continue building that trust and maintaining that relationships and um, leveraging that uh, partnership with parents. That's, that's, how, that's outstanding. I have a question for you all. And, you're, and none of you are going to like this question except for maybe Dr. Gerner. Doomsday scenario in which we have to go back to what we're doing right now in the fall. What does anybody have anything you would do different after going through this? Um, with the understanding that this is not the preferred method, I completely get it. But if 
we have to go back to this scenario in the fall. Can anybody share, like maybe, you know what, I might would do this different. It's a good question. I got to think about it. It is. Um, I think something, um, this is Amanda again. Based on, oh, sorry, Nadia. It's okay. Good, Mama Lopez. You want to go? Don't get me started. You know, <laughs> don't get me started. No, I think um, I'm like I said. I'm one of those teachers that I'm. I'm really. I, I'm. I push you. I challenge you, because I know that in life you, you're you're going to need to be pushed, and I need you to be ready. And so, I think for me it was really challenging to hold them accountable. Um, and, and still have that influence of, or you're going to do your work and you're going to do it well because you can, you know? And I think for me, um, if we were to go virtually again in the fall, it will be more of setting really clear expectations. This caught us off guard. So we were just trying to wing it. We're learning technology as well as we're trying to hold them accountable, but then they're telling us really don't hold them accountable because this is um, like a new thing. Um, and so we don't want to put too much pressure on them. We, you know, so it was just like, ah, um, but I think for me, it would be setting up really clear expectations as to what I expect from them. Um, and the majority of them know me very well where I don't play. So, um, at the end of the day, whether we're doing it virtually or we're doing it in class, the same level of expectation is going to be required. Um, so that would be my, my to-do um, for the next year if we were to do virtually again. I think building on your idea, Nadia, of clear expectations, I know for myself as a teacher, I needed to set boundaries because that's something I did not do at the beginning of this um, because I wanted to make myself available to students. So now with third and fourth graders who have their own um, with her fifth graders, they have my number, they're reaching out to me, they're calling me at like 11 o'clock at night, I was sleeping, I didn't answer, but trying to be at peace of knowing like, yes, I am here for you, but also can we make it as consistent as possible to a school day and make boundaries for myself as a teacher, like I'm here for you, and how can we keep this a professional relationship? So I even for one week had to try putting on like actual school clothes instead of like sweatpants to teach in because then my brain said like, okay, now it's teaching time. We contact students. Now it's not teaching time. You can go for your run. Um, even something like as simple and silly as that to make it um, a clear expectation for myself as a teacher and then also making it clear to the students, yes, I am here for you. Yes, learning does look different, but how can we keep it as consistent um, as possible? I think that's a key point because I've been reading some reports where it's teachers already are giving lots of the hours in a traditional setting, but now with after COVID-19, it never shut off. So it's morning till night um, and continuing it where others outside of education may not see that. And I think that's becoming a stress uh, for teachers who don't have some kind of schedule or set time where they say, now, now I'm done for for the night. I, I think that's an important piece. I'd like to uh, shift to another question. So we're talking to 
high-performing educators. All of you are high-performing. All of you are the best of the best. Great educators making a difference in families, in students' lives, really transforming their lives. What do you need from your administrators? So what do you really need? What do high-performing educators need from their administrators? Mm. Or do you need them to get out of the way? <laughs> And I'm tagging all y'all principals. Like, yeah, I'm dating <laughs> everybody. I'm letting them know who said what. I can go. For me, it's uh, two things, support and understanding. Um, like support with this teaching landscape, um, things definitely switch from standard uh, way of creating lesson plans to the more Google Classroom um, and, and whatnot. So just being more uh, supportive. Um, in these times, knowing that we're working from home and that itself is a whole nother um, load by itself, whether you have a spouse or a kid, it's really hard to actually be so focused at work and living at home all the time. Um, so just being understanding and supportive are the two, my two biggest things um, that I need from admin. I think to build off of what George said of trust of that, you know, we are the ones day in, day out dealing, not dealing with, but working with our students and families and that, you know, they have, admin has a set of expectations for us um, and to trust that we will implement those in the best way that meets the needs of all of our students. Um, and then supporting us through that. Um, so same thing students need, clear expectations, but trust that we are autonomous human beings who can handle ourselves. So I'll go next. So this is an interesting question for me because I'm actually moving back into leadership this fall. Uh, so I'm actually taking notes on what you all are saying as well. Uh, so I'll be moving into the role of chief culture officer for the MCP network this fall. Um, but I think what, um, since I'm still, I'm transitioning, so I'm still a teacher now. So I think what I would need from administrators, um, be clear and timely communication. I think especially when you're working in a virtual world, you're not seeing people face to face. And so that means you have to rely on either emails, texts, phone calls, like all of those types of things. And those modes of communication take time. And so I think it's really important that um, communication is done effectively, it's done timely. So we actually have time to get things done or have time to implement things. When we're talking about using different platforms, it's important that um, we're communicated with, but also our families and our parents are communicated with in a timely fashion. Like everyone was saying, this was all, it was really over a weekend type of thing for us. We left Friday at work and then all of a sudden Friday night they told us we're not coming back Monday. And so parents didn't know. Scholars didn't know. We didn't know. And so just really trying to be as proactive as possible and um, just really be clear and consistent and timely with communication. That's an awesome answer, Trila. Um, so I think I may have the last question. Is that a thumbs up, Dr. Gardner? Thumbs up. Okay. So I have the last question, and it would be impossible to do this show, this podcast with talented educators, and we don't, we don't 
at least touch on for a little bit of what's happening in the world right now. And so the question is, because this is the best place. We, we have talented people who can figure this out because everybody may not be in your spot. So I really hope the listeners out there, when we, when we put this out there, um, really take heed to your words on this question. With the unrest that's going on, unrest that's going on right now, uh, and you could say it's racially, you could say it's law enforcement, you could just say the nation is just being turned upside down right now. Like, what do you do? Like, do you not talk about these things in the classroom? Do you talk about them? Do you share your opinions? Do you stick your head in the sand and just hope it blow over? And I know depending on the grade level you, you teach, that may influence your response. But what does the best of the best educators do in this environment as it pertains to students? Like, is it even a conversation that's on the, on the board? So I would like to go first. Um, one of my very strong areas is, you know, calling kids to order. And I, I kind of point my fingers in the sense that I've got, they feel I've gone too far, maybe because of my virtues and because of my culture. But um, I think it's high time we don't put onions in our mouths when we speak. And I'm using that as a parlance in, in Nigeria. Because when you put onions in your mouth when you speak, it, you tend not to say the truth. We need to help our kids realize that they need to change the narrative in the environment they are. Because for any African-American child, it is expected that your limitation is at a level where everybody can determine. And when we, when we allow them behave the way it's being channeled for them, there will be failures. So I, in my opinion, I think it's high time we sat them down and speak to them. Enable them realize that it is not, the race is not for the swift. But at the same time, they have a lot of ball to play in this game. They have to be focused. They have to be determined and dedicated. Yes, we've seen a lot of that and still they get bruised. But we need to talk about it and not hide the fact. It's not, my principal spoke to us on VATA this morning and said, yes, it's time for us to start speaking now. So I will expect that teachers and educators here on board and maybe out in the world will face it if we really realize that what is going on is not fair and then speak to the rest of, speak to the kids, make them grow up to realize that we do not have to live in a fool's paradise, but to realize that there's a lot they can do about they, are, they can hold, um, hold on to their own future and their calling. So that's my take on that. I can chime in quickly. Um, for me, if I was teaching in this landscape, if we were still teaching and these unrest would happen in the classroom, um, for me, I teach for social justice. Um, so I'm definitely the, the, the teacher that advocates and, and bringing you know, stuff up to the students, um, being completely transparent what's going on in society. And in these times, I would uh, assign uh, current events, particularly on the unrest, um, have you know, scholars you know, for homework, look up what's, what's, what's the latest news on the unrest, and then come to uh, school and have a discussion on uh, what they found for the current events, what's going on, and just really just to have them uh, conceptualize um, what's going on, just hear their voice or how they feel, and then 
um, from there, we can uh, go about action steps or um, things we can do to advocate um, for uh, these inequalities. So that's how I would address the situation. I think for me, uh, I've been blessed to be able to teach in uh, a Christian school. And so um, I know it's been difficult at times for me to really think of, to know what to say in these situations and to know how I should, how and if I should be bringing, you know, these things up to my students, um, especially not being a person of color. Um, but then I, I think I always just come back to being able to trust that God will put those words into my mouth for me and will speak that truth and that trust for me with my students. And so um, I think coming together in prayer um, has just been so important during this time, especially, and, and finding time to pray with my students, finding time for them to write down prayers, say prayers um, out loud um, for what is happening in our community and our, in, in our nation, in our world right now, um, I think has just been my driving factor and, and something that I want to continue, that I have been doing, but also want to continue doing um, throughout the rest of this time and into next year. For myself, because I teach the littles, um, kindergarten and first grade, I think I would focus on two things if we were in a classroom, um, environment and then just empowerment. And so the first thing I say environment, because when they enter the classroom, I want them to enter a culture that's just peace, a peaceful classroom where they know that they are loved, where they know that they can learn um, because they're they're experiencing, their parents are experiencing different emotions, they're experiencing different emotions and kids feed off of whatever we put in the atmosphere. And so I would just focus on the environment, just making sure I have a classroom culture of peace and then empowering my scholars just to let them know like who they are in Christ because we are in a Christian school. And so just really looking at their identity, even as a African-American scholar, as um, a child of God and just teaching them even at a young age about the past and even their present, um, the future that God has um, before them. And so just really focusing on that classroom culture, making sure that they can come into an environment that is peaceful so that they can continue to learn, but then as well empowering them so that they can go forth and do the things that they are called to do. Yeah, I think along with what Quanisha was saying that there is no age too young to start talking about it, um, you know, especially for our black and brown children who it, they grow up with it every day, day in and day out. Um, so I think, you know, as a teacher, my silence would speak more than whatever I, you know, chose not to say, uh, or than whatever I chose to say. Um, so choosing not to stay silent. And I think what George was saying about of empowering their own voice and letting them form their own opinions while also educating them on the reality of the situation. Um, you know, I think, you know, looking back on my own education, how much of history was mistaught to me or parts left out. And so to have a scholar grow up and look back and be like, I never heard that side of the story um, would just be an injustice to a whole generation of students coming up now that we have the power to influence. Um, so I think we have no choice but to talk about it. Um, for me, um, I've always said this is a, a model I have for my kids is um, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. Um, and so for me, um, teaching ELA, I had to teach my eighth graders this year about To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and in order for me to help them understand 
what was happening during this time, I had to go beyond and, and do some research and really say, listen, this is what was going on during that time period. And so this for me is not new. This has been going on since the beginning of time, but what I really wanted my students to understand and be curious about, which I found a lot of my urban kids didn't know this history. And so it was like, it was new to them and they would ask curious questions like, so what happened to them? And so what did they do? And they could do that? And they could, and you're like, yeah, this is what was going on back in the 60s. And it's still continuing to happen today. And now that you have all these curious questions and you're a little bit in the know, how are you planning on being a change agent as you now have this information as you become adults? Um, are you going, you know what I mean? Are you going to continue your education, be more knowledgeable? Are you going to be more involved? but also being there to, to help guide their thinking. Um, because like I said, a lot of our kiddos don't know this history and they don't know, um, you know, the realities of what life can really be. Um, and so with the riots and everything going on, it's kind of like a rude awakening for them too, um, where they're actually seeing it in action during their lifetime <laughs> um, and at an age where they can understand a little bit more. So just being there to to just help them be able to understand and process everything that's been going on and how do we move forward, not only um, as a race, but also as a nation. There's so much wisdom in the room. For, I hope it's okay with all of you that I'm borrowing some of your ideas, but I'll sprinkle in a couple of my own as well. I think like Abby said, I knew Monday morning I could not be silent because to be silent would just be to to accept everything that's happening, which is definitely not okay. Um, so similar then to what Liz said is I was trusting God and the Holy Spirit to give me the words that needed to bless the children, bless our conversation in whatever they needed to hear in that moment, whether it's, yes, this is a reality check or this is the peace of the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He is with me. We will be okay. Um, I also, as a reading teacher, have been looking to a lot of texts um, from a book that we read earlier in the year, The Other Side, or Each Kindness by Jacqueline Woodson, or a book that I recently discovered, Something Happened in Our Town, which did talk about a shooting from both a white family and African-American family's perspective in that book. Um, just using different pieces of children's literature for kids to connect with, and then having discussions afterwards. It's all outstanding. Like, I think we all still an ideal from feelings? each other. Can, can I just say this? I am so glad all of you are here and, and just from listening, and I don't know most of you, but just listening to you all, I, I could tell that you all are well-deserving and, you know, probably the best of the best in your building and, and, and obviously deserving. So I don't know most of you, but I just feel the need to tell you all that. Thanks, Eugene. Yeah, it, it's evident from this discussion that um, you're definitely winners. It's inspiring. It's been informative. I think we continue this as well. I think we continue, I could see another podcast in the future. I also could see the impact of each of you having on our, our future teachers. Our future teachers uh, need to be the students that you have today. They'll be inspired by you. They'll be the future teachers, others out there. Um, they need to continue to hear your wisdom. So we are with the 2020 Neubauer Prize winners for urban teaching. We've learned from them, we've been inspired by them, 
and we'll continue to grow from their wisdom and, and knowledge. And most importantly, it is outstanding just to hear the impact. Think about the impact on each student, each family, and the community. And these are the best of the best of Wisconsin. So we thank you for that. Thank you. All right, before we close the show out, um, there's something that Dr. Gurner and myself always do. So I want to make sure that we continue in that, in that pattern. And we're going to try to get everybody involved. So when we close out, we give a shout out or maybe multiple shout outs. <laughs> and you can give a shout out to whomever, whatever you want. If it's to you, to your classroom, to your kids, to your school, if you have a product that or something, a book or anything that a business that you have, shout it out. Um, this is your chance to get it out there. And, and Dr. Garner, we're going to make a switcheroo. You go first. This is your night. You go first. All right. Well, again, I want to thank uh, teachers, the uh, Neubauer Prize winners. I appreciate you. And I continue to learn from you. So thank you. I always like talking about uh, the Center for Urban Education Ministries. This was the Center for Urban Education Ministries was able to make the award happen. It's a national nonprofit of individuals around our country that want to relentlessly strengthen urban education. So I'd, I'd love everyone to get connected with that, www.cuemnational.org. Great organization to be part of. And also Superhero Educator, a great book that every, every teacher should read by Eugene Pitchford and Steve Gerner. So that's, again, two things I'd like to highlight. All right, so I wanna highlight uh, the book Gumbo for the Soul, Volume 3, and it shares uh, just different stories of educators from black males. Yours truly wrote Chapter 53. So I just wanna highlight that today. And we're gonna go in order by what's on my screen. So nobody turn your picture off, stay in this order. We'll be <laughs> All right, so. The first person I have on my screen is Quinesha. Go ahead. Okay, so I wanna give a shout out to all of the teachers, all of the winners um, of the Neubauer Award. Just congratulations to you guys. And then just a shout out to you guys as well for allowing us to be on this podcast and to all of the listeners. And then I also wanna highlight, I have a book that I published on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, it's called My Special Friend um, and it's for our brown babies and it just teaches um, them about their relationship with Christ and how they can um, just have a relationship with him. And so it's called My Special Friend and it's on Amazon by Quanisha Medina. Oh, done. All right, Miss Lopez. You scared the crap out of me, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm in your classroom. So we're going to give you this time now. <laughs> That's that Mama Lopez, I'm telling you. Um, I want to give out a shout out um, to my kiddos. Um, my eighth graders who are graduating this year uh, amid, amongst this whole COVID-19 riots and everything that's going on. Um, I pray for them to be safe. I pray for them to continue to persevere and be successful in high, in high school. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the teachers on this podcast. You guys are amazing. And I am blessed and honored to be a part of this group of teachers who um, obviously love what they do. Teaching is not a profession. It's a calling. And I, you know, I really appreciate being humbled to be a part of this. And again, my babies are my life. And so I want them to 
to enjoy this accomplishment that they're doing right now. Amanda. Uh, I just want to re reiterate the shout out to all the teachers on this podcast and those who also were new Bauer um, award winners who weren't able to make it. You all are amazing. Um, and thank you, Eugene and Dr. Gruner and everyone else who made that possible. I would like to give a book shout out as well. I'm not yet at Quinesha State of writing my own book someday. I'll get there. Um, but if you have not heard of Angela Watson or read her books, Awakened, Unshakable, or Fewer Things Better, they are amazing. And they talk about, like Nadia said, having teaching as our calling, um, but finding that life balance between our profession and our lives. And another shout out um, to her 40-hour teacher workweek club. I had my scholarship accepted um, to be part of the cohort starting this July to work through their professional development to find that balance throughout the All right, that's outstanding. Liz. Yeah, so similar to what everyone else has said so far, I, I, I'm just so thankful and so blessed to be um, honored for this prize. And I, my shout out is just really general. I just wanna give a shout out to all of you guys, but just all of the teachers in general during this time um, that are taking the initiative and have been taking the initiative from day one when we found out we would be closing. Um, to not skip a beat and to just continue connecting with students from the get-go every single day for many hours throughout each day, um, even when it has gotten so challenging, um, but they have just known that, like Nadia said, teaching is a calling for them um, and that they wouldn't have it any other way. So I, I just really, my shout out is just to every teacher in general throughout this whole entire journey we've been on. Um, who is just really dedicated um, to their students and to forming those relationships and, and to pushing their students to be continuing to succeed um, because we know they can, even when challenges are thrown at us like a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> so my shout out is to all the teachers out there, including, especially including the ones on this podcast today. Thank you, thank you. All right, next person is my favorite teacher. Tyler Pitchford. <laughs> Thanks, Eugene. Um, so like everyone else has said, I definitely want to give a shout out to all of the educators um, who won this award. You all are definitely deserving of this and so much more. Um, little extra special shout out to Abby. We're, in this, we're at the same campus and um, she is a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher and I told her from when we first started working together that she has that it factor. It's something that cannot be taught. It cannot be coached. Um, it is a gift and she has that. So shout out to you, Abby. Um, definitely want to shout out all of the educators, all the teachers, the EAs, the deans, the principals. Um, it really takes an entire village um, to really educate the whole child and so I, you know, while I love Lumen, I came from Lumen a couple of years ago, um, but I'm at MCP right now and I wanna shout out um, the MCP network who has just done a phenomenal job of really just trying to continue that educational journey um, throughout all this um, COVID-19 and really stepping up to the plate as far as um, really being committed um, to making sure we can make a difference in all of the lives of all of our scholars, especially our black and brown babies. 
Um, I am a Zumba instructor. And so that's one of the ways that I am able to um, just take care of myself. And so I'm a Zumba instructor. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. I post pre-recorded Zumba classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, through the Zumba network. You can also reach out to me if you have like a group, you would like me to do like a live Zoom Zumba class. I'm open to doing that. I've been doing that. But my email address for Zumba is faithfitnessfun, the number three, at gmail.com. Shout out to all the educators. Miss Abby. Yes. I mean, shout out to all of the educators on this podcast. I have learned so much from each one of you in the short time we had together. And this was like what my soul needed was talking about education and current events and everything with everyone who's grounded in the same mission. So thank you. Um, special shout out to Trila who took me under her wing at the beginning, whether or not she knew I put myself there um, and just being such an inspiration um, and a leader of how quality education is done. And special shout out to George Passaway, who was my partner teacher last year um, for fifth grade. And that was a wild ride. But he also just gave me so much encouragement and support. And I learned so much from him. And I can tell that, you know, he is continuing to have such a strong influence on the lives of so many of those scholars at Hope. So thank you, George. Um, and then I want to plug a business of one of my scholars mothers it's called quality creations you can find them on facebook um it's with a k quality and then creations with a k she makes these amazing like cheesecakes and special desserts and she made me one um as a thank you for the end of the year and that was also what my soul needed so go find quality creations on facebook and order some desserts from her because they're great all right, Mr. George. Awesome. Uh, shout out to everyone, all the educators here, uh, winning the award. Um, no, shout out to you all on the work that you're doing. Uh, I really appreciate this discourse. Like I said, I learned so much, like different techniques and methods you all use to handle different situations. So it was really um, an amazing podcast. Um, shout out to Steve and Eugene. Uh, thank you for hosting me. Thank you for hosting us. Uh, thanks for giving me my 45-minute uh, fame. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> and um, shout-outs. Um, I have a book shout-out. Um, I um, published a book. It won't be out until uh, January 1st. That's the release date. But it's the title, How Black College Students Learn Code Switching. So pretty much, switching is pretty much how you um, uh, interact, uh, how you change up the way you talk uh, in a conversation. Like, the way we talk... When we're with our family and friends is much different when we get around our bosses and colleagues. So that's pretty much what code switching is. But I'm, I'm um, researching, pretty much the book is how black college students, when they leave high school at an inner city, how when they get to a predominantly white institution, um, what makes them want to alter or change the way they speak into a more um, standard way of speaking rather than uh, standard English. So this book is really going to help bridge the communication gap that lies between uh, blacks and whites. Um, so it's not just for both. It's teaching mm. whites how to, or non-blacks how to, um, you know, 
um, how to learn the lingo and the communication of Black English and vice versa uh, teaching nine whites how to um, pretty much be effective communicators. It has a whole framework. It's, it's really effective. So I'm really excited for what this book is going to do. Um, it's really aimed for um, uh, transitioning high school students, college students, um, mm. so for the impact it's going to have on, on these students. So if you have one more information, please um, reach out to me. Um, uh, book business is about to be um, going out as well from this book. So I'm excited about that. And those are my shout outs. I need, I need to purchase one of the first couple copies. I got you. I got you, G. Like, I don't care what everybody else in here say. Like, like right here, me first. I got you. Okay, not Dr. Gurner. All right. Last but definitely not least, Miss O. <laughs> you don't have the permission for me, so you're not my student. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to give a shout out to everyone. I mean... I feel like I'm the only one not in the cohort of the Lumen Christi and all the schools, uh, Milwaukee public schools, but I thank God for the grace. And I am so excited that um, I am called upon, you know, to be part of this and of course, to be blessed to win um, the, the award. So I want to thank God for you all and for all you do. I'm giving you all a shout out. Um, for the extra effort you put in for these kids. And like someone said there, it's a village. A two, two I have a child, but the village raised these children. So I'm really giving out that shout out and thank you. I want to give a shout out to Dr. Steve, my, my mentor, my teacher, and especially to his wife, who made me find out this. And I hope she can hear this. She's been a blessing and I'm glad that we went through this together because what I want is for them. And I want to give a shout out to my class. I call them my first fruits. Being the first year teaching, I said to them, this is the product of my profession for the first year. So um, we, didn't, we started well and went, we ended well. I was going to say to them, I said, the Lord wanted us to rest, two full months of rest without care. So that's what they're doing right now. And we're coming back refreshed. And one thing I want to just shout out here is that by popular demand, a couple of the kids want me to continue with them in fifth grade. So I'm moving on from fourth grade to fifth grade next school year with some, most of my kids. So I'm just thankful to God for this channel. And I'm praying that um, as long as we continually to obey him, he will direct us, which is the most important thing that teachers, because we are tools in his hand to use for these kids. So when we listen to him, it will help us to navigate and teach them well. So thank you all to um, Mr. Eugene and Mrs. Pitchford. Thank you. And to all my colleagues, thank you very much. All right, Dr. Gardner, we just have to thank you because, like, none of us will all be here this week without you. So hats off to your vision of acknowledging uh, teachers that go above and beyond, especially during this tough time. So, um, Dr. Gardner, thank you so much. And I know how – and what you all don't know, I hear Dr. Gurner talking about this all the time. I'm trying to find the best teachers. I like he, he was adamant about it. I want to find a way to reward best teachers. And it was super important for him to do that. So just hearing him talk about this in the fall at the end of last school year to being right here today is a phenomenal process. So hats off to you, Dr. Gurner, for that one.
You can close us out, Dr. Garner. Well, thank you. I, again, thank you. I had the easy part, uh, and I'll continue to find uh, resources to highlight and honor our teachers because the impact you're making is uh, life-changing. It really is. It's a matter of life and death, and, and I feel it's so important. So I have the easy part to find people that, that love educators and want to support you. You have the harder part. So uh, thank you. And again, we had a great show here. We had the 2020 New Bauer Prize winners for urban teaching, and we thank each and every one of you, and we'll continue the conversation as we go forward and continue to learn. I love to hear the, the books that are out there. I love to hear the resources you're using, and I love to hear the connections. So thank you very much, and that's what we have for you. On that note, we are out. You all stay right there. We're going to click the show off right about now. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.